Hello and welcome to Shareware episode 53. I'm Brett and I am joined by Grayson and Josh. This week's link today the is this in which we play through the ending. Timestamps for each of the segments can be found in the show notes. All two of them. All two of them. We are embarking on a new new chapter of shareware. A new chapter of shareware. We're changing things up this week. You know, we we for a while there at the start we had uh, we had the what we're playing and news format, and that was good for a little while, and we decided uh, to move on to something that gave us a little more freedom. So then we had every host picking their own topic, which let us kind of venture out into some more niche subjects. Now we decided let's do something that lets us take a little bit deeper of a dive. More freedom. <laughs> more freedom. And that freedom is one uber topic. The first half of this episode is all going to be one topic. This week, uh, selected by our very own Brett. I just want to say I wasn't confident in this one. Uh, but I, I did pick it. We're stuck with it now. I just I wanted someone to pick a better one. No, this is pretty decent. It's what is the topic, fine. Brett? Why don't you just tell us? The topic is morality systems in games. What worked and what sucked? Well, what did? I mean, like, obviously, morality systems have been a huge part of games for the last... Ten years, basically. More than that now. I feel like, like it, it has came out, like, out in came out oh. in, like, 2004. Yeah, I feel like it came in waves. Like, I, I feel like early 90s, there was a kind of a burst of it, and, like... Into, and like, Baldur's the, Gate. Yeah, Infinity Engine stuff. Was, there was also Arcanum. I think, although that was less morality choice and more between magic and technology. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Those uh, ARPGs, though, I don't feel like they really count because they're pulling from like D and D source material, where that was. I mean, they count because that was that was the beginning of the development of it in games, you know, in video games at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel, I, I, I feel like we only benefit from expanding the definition of morality systems as wide as is feasible because uh, otherwise we're just going to be excluding good executions of it that are worth learning from. Yeah. I really like the the D&D system of like lawful and good and evil. The morality. Lawful yeah. Morality. Yeah. You know, that, that actually, uh, that is like Fable 2. Fable... Uh, no, Fable 2 is great. I only played Fable 3, so Fable... Oh, Fable 3 a bad fucking taste sucked of, um, dick. I fucking hated Fable 3. I only beat that one twice in Umbro. <laughs> and, like, even then, like, the second time I was like... I really hated it, considering I mean, I repeat it. <laughs> I did, but the thing is, that's because I played through Fable 2, like, 10, 12 times. Grayson, you, you can't get him started on Fable 3. This will be the third time we've discussed <laughs> Fable 3 on Fable Like, I get super pissed off about Fable 3 because it was a betrayal. It's terrible. It is fucking awful. But Fable 2 had the corrupt and pure system which interacted with the traditional good and evil one. Which is something I really liked, because I, my last character, the one that I decided to keep in my, uh, you know, in my headcanon mm -hmm. as the hero that led Fable. into Fable 3, okay. was a corrupt good guy. So, I, I actually didn't realize there was this, uh, this alternate system on the side. How does a corrupt good guy manifest in that game? Basically like a pirate. You know, like a pirate who's just like going around just like... Like a Jack Sparrow kind of pirate? Yeah. Of like heart of gold but ruthless means? Um, not really like ruthless, he just doesn't really give a shit. 
He'll cheat but a poker, he'll, but he won't give it to. But he'll give the money to an orphanage. Pretty much, yeah. Like he just kind of does whatever the fuck he wants, and it so happens that he's just kind of a good guy. Okay. Um, and so like that was really fun. He had a cool scar. He had a eye patch because he was a he was a pirate. Okay. And and like that was just really fun because like you. It was it was a little change, and I'm not gonna say that it was like, oh my god, it was so amazing, man! You could be any character you wanted, but adding another axis yeah. to that to that thing was actually a great idea. And in actuality, you can look back on it; it's the only good idea Peter Molyneux has ever had. I don't know. Black and White Two. I feel like no, it's... Black and White Two is good. I'm just talking shit. Well, we we should probably touch on Black and White Two when you finish your thought, Josh. Actually, yeah, good point. Uh, no, you go ahead because I'm I'm interested to hear. I no, no, you go ahead because Black and White. Well, is I want to talk about Black and White Two. Uh, I don't know anything about Black and White Two, so I'm oh, just going to say Black and White Two. If you well, want to in Black and White Two, there were two separate morality scales, but they were um, they were on the same axis. Okay. So your creature could be good and evil, and you could be good or evil. And what? it affected the the way things looked. Okay, what is your creature? Because I know it. I know it's a god game, but I, like I, I literally Basically, know very little. About the it. creature is like, it's just something you train. It's like a secondary version of you that is able to interact directly with the world. Uh, yeah, without yeah, using okay. up special spell so slots. So like you're the ethereal, and the the beast is the corporeal. Yeah, it's yeah. like a demigod. It's a manifestation of your quote unquote will, but you also have to train it. Okay, so what what would be the consequences of like a good god and an evil demigod? So like, basically, you're really impatient and you smack it around all the time because it's being annoying and doesn't do anything right because it's a fucking piece of shit. Okay. The like the evil demigod will eat people, mm-hmm. but your city will still be white and clean. And there'll be flowers blooming everywhere. Okay, so from like the followers' perspective, is it just like, well, he's got good intentions. It doesn't always work out. Sometimes we get eaten, but you know, he's our a God's, decent guy. Our God's a really nice guy. He just has to take out some stress on this giant fluffy cat. Or more like this giant scraggly cat that we need oh, yeah. to go kill a bunch of enemy uh, people. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. It doesn't usually turn out that way, of course. Usually you're usually, either evil or good. Okay. Yeah, and usually it's better to have your creature be good, because eating people's not the best. Yeah, it ruins some of your uh, stuff. I'd rather train him to eat shit. Oh, yeah, you can train him to eat shit. <laughs> yeah, you give him pets when he eats shit, and... Uh, yeah. He'll do it. You don't have to take care of it if he does. That is, that is a good listener. <laughs> so that, that's why I became the shit-eating god. You ever, uh, it's an interesting niche. I don't think the Greeks ever explored that avenue. So you're 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 tapping into some fresh material. A new member of the pantheon. Did it bother you that the skyscraper was evil? Theseus. I mean, it makes sense. Skyscrapers are evil. It was so space efficient, though. You could have like 800 villagers living in a max height skyscraper. Yeah, but it's evil. And then you throw a rock at it and it collapses. That was fun. Yeah, that's why being evil was cool. So it actually had like a physics system, if I remember right. Mm. So if you dropped a big ball on one corner of a house, it would only destroy that corner. You know what's really weird about that? Peter Molyneux still missed his promises on that game. Oh, but of course it turned out did. good. Like the thing is, Peter I, I I still if Fable 3 had been a little bit better, <laughs> if it had been like less garbage. I would still have a lot of respect for Peter Molyneux's way of doing things. Because he's basically like, if your dad goes like, we're going to go to Disneyland, then we're going to go to the moon, then we're going to go to the sun, and then we're going to go to our new house on Mars. 
and then all he does is take you to Disney World and you have a great time. That's still fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more fun than going to the sun. Like I don't think that yeah, exactly. pans out very well. Like the thing is, I it was fun. The ride was always fun. Yeah. You know, when he was talking about Fable, he's like, You will be able to carve your name in a tree. And as the tree grows, your carving will grow. And it's like, that's amazing. I can't believe they can do that with Xbox technology. But do you remember Got Us? Yeah, that's... <laughs> when he was getting funding directly from Microsoft, his promises were great. But then he was eventually like, I'm going to create an early access game in which you control something. And then he didn't deliver on that. <laughs> you <laughs> Which, watch something, control something. Instead, you, I, he created a clicker with a crappy interface. Pretty much. And a weird PvP mode that came out a year later. Mm -hmm. like, and, like, that's the thing. It's, like, he either promises more than the world and gives you something pretty good, or he promises nothing and gives you less. <laughs> he takes. <laughs> he just comes to your house and punches you in the balls. Yeah. The guy who won that one, what game was that? That it was up and got us. Curiosity. Curiosity. He still yeah. hasn't received any money. Really? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. You will be given thirty dollars. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's funny that the the first things uh, you two go to are uh, those good evil binary systems because for me personally, I find. I, as I'm thinking about it, I don't actually think I've played a game that had a binary scale of good to evil in its morality system, and I enjoyed the morality system. Like, to me, I, I, what I'm looking for in a morality system is really more of a, like a consequences system. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. if the game is making an objective ruling on whether or not the thing I did was good or evil, then it's kind of missing the point of like exploring character motivations yeah. in my eyes. I, I actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I did want to talk about uh, The Witcher 3, mm. which I've been playing through. Yeah, and, which and at no point surfaces a meter that says like, you're exactly. this dickish, you're friendly. Like, that's the thing is like, it's the ultimate evolution of a moral system in that they just cut out the moral part and left the consequences. Yeah. Like, I have made decisions in that game where I'm, 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 it's like 15 hours later and I'm like, wonder if I fucked that up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I might have fucked that up. I'm not sure. Like, I did look into one and it was like, after Geralt fucked this up, I, I looked in like the glossary for the character. Yeah. After Geralt fucked this up. The creature then went on to cause a plague and killed a whole city. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Well, and that's the thing is like, 90% of the time, you did fuck it up. But you chose who got fucked over the worst by it. Because that's the world of the Witcher. Somebody's always going to get the short end of the stick. And nobody fully deserves that end of the stick. Or uh, you say the wrong thing to Triss once and you can't have the sex scene. <laughs> Or you say, you talk to me about that later, because I do not want to miss the sex scene with Triss. Ah, uh, good, good thing you just interjected, because I almost brought something up that you haven't seen yet, or haven't had the opportunity to see. I, I just met Triss. I'm, I, I basically just entered Novigrad. Okay, cool, yeah. I, I almost slipped up, because I forgot you're still kind of in the, in the midst of everything. Um, but, but yeah, like another example for me of a game that does it almost masterfully is uh, Fallout New Vegas. Like, Fallout New Vegas is all just about different groups of people with different priorities and you having to juggle those against your own. 
Having the reputation system along with the karma, great move. Well, yeah, I think it was kind of a half step because for me, like the karma system has always been something built into Fallout, but it's, it's honestly always felt out of place to me because if they had just had the reputation system and stripped the karma system out, I don't actually see how it would have negatively impacted Fallout New Vegas whatsoever. Actually, what are in four? Yeah, yeah, I think I, so. I don't I ever see like the Pip Boy like. I, there was. They might have. Okay. I'm I'm ninety percent sure. Okay. They I don't remember much of Fallout Four on account of it being shitty. It definitely didn't really stick with you gotta me. Got put some mods in there. Um, but like. Mm, I don't think mods can save that one for me. But honestly, like I think that the 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 presence of the good bad karma system in Fallout New Vegas is actually kind of antithetical to the the core premise of trying to balance these different factions with their own views. Like, and, and it just kind of highlights the handful of like fundamental issues. Obviously, Fallout New Vegas is still plagued with a lot of like technical technical things around the edges like even now the console versions have shitty load times and there's tons of things you can glitch out and break but in terms of like the core design philosophy it's really fucking close to perfect in a lot of ways it's inter it's a fun game it's interesting yeah but the legion obviously was the most half-baked faction yeah and yeah. Like, caesar himself was cool yeah, you can have a lot of like philosophically compelling conversations with him, but those don't manifest in how you interact with the rest of the faction. Yeah, they're um, just like, ah, hail Kaiser or whatever. And like people have dug up scraps and remnants, much in the way of KOTOR 2, of, of aspects in which the Legion was envisioned as a much more morally well-thought-out faction. So, it, it, I mean, if they had another year, it, who knows, maybe they could have like completely knocked out of the park in every way possible. But there are those issues, and to me, that karma system just kind of accentuates those. You know, you, you brought up KOTOR 2, and that's a game that I think is actually very interesting on this point. Mm -hmm. When I first played it, when I, you know, I was probably like 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. So anyone who played that when you were in high school, you're old. And so are we, actually. <laughs> um, but when I first played it, uh, I was always like, oh, I'll play, I'll play a good guy this time, I'll play a bad guy this time. Mm -hmm. But when I was replaying it, uh, I think this was like two or three years ago, I found that if you actually, like, it, I grew up enough to kind of understand what, like, Kraya was actually getting at. I don't know if you guys played it. Nope. I have seen a handful of cutscenes from the game. Kraya is the She's old, the old lady one. Is she blind or is she? Just... Uh, she's blind. She okay. can see through the force or yeah, whatever. That's, yeah. So, yeah, I do know what character you're about. And I think I know some of the conversations that you're getting at. Yeah. So, like, she has this very particular philosophy that she's trying to guide you through. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you do follow that philosophy and you kind of understand what she's getting at, mm -hmm. you can apply it in the game and you will almost always just end up completely gray. Hmm. Like, like it, was, it was really interesting to me because I'm playing through this game and, like, I'm making the correct choices. Yeah. Like, I, I had one... There's one point where... And this was like a, a gaming apotheosis moment for me. It was fucking amazing. Where you have an argument with someone from your past about... And you try to, like, justify why you did what you did. Mm -hmm. And I remember just enough from my old playthroughs to where I was able to piece together an actual coherent argument. And I got her to back down. <laughs> which is something I never saw when I was a kid. Oh. So, like, you... Whenever you apply this philosophy, you might actually get a good result, 
but you're gonna end up right in the right in the gray, mm-hmm. and it, like that that is something very interesting because it was basically spitting in the face of the whole system. Yeah, uh, I I definitely it's one of those games I plan on getting to at some point. Honestly, it's it's a game that I'd like to game club at some point. Um, but uh, it's I've seen just enough of it to want to play through it more because I have issues with how they handle it immediately from having seen glimpses of those conversations. Like, it it came across as something that, uh, I mean, we, we were kind of talking about this with uh, Ocarina of Time, like, I think maybe like a month ago, in regards to the tutorialization elements of, like, this, this was needed at the time, but now it's kind of vestigial. Like, going back now in the context of how games are today, it doesn't actually seem... Are you talking about the 90-minute long progress section where it slowly, painstakingly guides you through every aspect of the game and it's really long and boring? Uh, no, I'm more talking about one of the conversations in which she's explaining her philosophy to you and just... Is it the one where she's like, if you pick the good option, you give the guy money and then he gets mugged? I think so. Like, basically just, like, very heavy-handedly, like, painstakingly going into every possible permutation of of moral decisions in life and basically coming to the conclusion that, like, this really overbearing conclusion that, like, yeah, like, the neutral path is is what will best serve you and, and yada yada, like... It, it basically felt like a very heavy-handed way of articulating um, the the morally gray element yeah, of the well, game. The thing is, is that I agree that particular implementation is something I look at and go, wow, that's awful. But it doesn't happen at the beginning of the game, and the mm-hmm. game goes through a lot of pains to, like, kind of discuss it with you beforehand, and yeah. that is, like, the final resort. Like, look, this is here. Yeah. This is what we fucking mean, man. That's why I'm I'm interested to see the path leading up to that because I I, I am interested to see exactly how that comes about um, and how the the game justifies that. Having said that, I do think it, like I said, it makes sense within the context of when that game came out and especially within the context of the Star Wars universe because that has always been the weakest aspect of the Star Wars mythos is this reliance on a very rigid good-evil dichotomy. And the most interesting Star Wars fiction to me is that which kind of rejects that notion. Like uh, Star Wars Republic Commando, a game which I really loved as a kid and played through in one sitting and then I played it again and didn't really understand. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the interesting things about the Star Wars video games, with the exception of like the mainline stuff, like Force Unleashed and like the movie tie-in games. Yeah. Star Wars games have done a surprisingly good job of like injecting a little moral ambiguity into an otherwise very black and white world. Like they did the same thing uh, with like the Tie Fighter series of like exploring the the inner workings of like middle management in the Empire and like grunts in the Empire and how they feel about this sort of thing and why anyone would do the fucked up things that people in the Empire do. And it turns out there's a few decent reasons why somebody might find themselves in that position. So, uh, I want to make a comparison about one that worked and one that didn't work. Two open world games, Mm -hmm. one that worked, Red Dead. Okay. One that didn't work, Watch Dogs. Yeah, the Watch Dogs one was stupid because it never made any sense to be evil. Well, and the other issue is with both of them, it takes so long to affect your morality in either direction, like all the way to the other end, that it doesn't even feel like the system's there a lot of the time. Yeah, I think that's probably... Well, did you have another thought to finish about that? No, not yet. Okay. 
Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest ways in which morality systems fall short for me uh, is an improper granularity in how your actions have effects. This is the thing that, that plagues Mass Effect in my eyes, where on the surface, I actually think the Mass Effect morality system is kind of ingenious because it's, it's just accepted right from the very premise that you are the good guy. But like you were kind of talking about in that, that other axis they implemented in Fable, what changes is, is how you get those results and, and how you treat the people around yeah. you to get those results. That should be actually like a really compelling avenue to explore, but instead they choose really arbitrary things to leverage, like very specific decisions that like should impact the story in meaningful ways and don't. And then on the other side of the equation, things that like seem inconsequential, but like end up being death by 10 cuts or whatever it is. Like it, it just doesn't feel like there's a logical connection between the specific choices you make and what kind of story outcomes you're locked out of, what kind of character interactions you're locked out of, and that kind of thing. So like, in Watch Dogs, you said it's terrible, it doesn't make sense to be evil, it's because they put wanted posters up, and anytime anybody sees you near one, they call the cops. And the same thing kind of happens in Red Dead, where if you're evil, you get chased down, mm -hmm. right? But in Watch Dogs, it doesn't work because you can't just kill all the cops. Okay. In Red just... Dead, you can just get away by killing everybody. Yeah. No one sees the crime, it didn't happen. Yeah, the, the, the Wild West setting does kind of lend itself more towards that. Or in Watch Dogs, like, your stars will just keep going up the longer you fight. Mm -hmm. uh, Watch Dogs is such a bad game. But at the same time, <laughs> like, it's so good. No. The shooting feels so good, it's just mm. you can never get to do it. No. Oh. That whole game's bad. How do you enjoy The Division? The shooting's basically the same. I don't. What? I oh. stopped playing that when I hit like level 15. Oh, you, you poor man. Like, you can look at my Google Plus posts from 2014. It's Gun Diablo. <laughs> I was extremely excited. What, what do you mean? Oh, you're talking about Division, not Watch Dogs. <laughs> Watch Dogs, Gun Diablo. <laughs> but, uh, like, I was super excited for Watch Dogs to the point where I said, there is no way this game won't be good. Yeah, I remember being... I remember biting my tongue in that that age. And it was awful. And I played that game, and I beat that game, and the story was terrible, the gunplay was tepid, the driving was fucking god-awful. Yeah. <laughs> and all the hacking minigames sucked, and, like, the only fun part was the hacking, and it was very binary what you could actually do with it. Yeah. What, what are your, like, standout, horrible morality systems in games? Like, laughably bad. Like, for me, the first thing that comes to mind, despite how much I, I actually really like this series, uh, for a lot of different reasons, outside of the morality system, Infamous has always been oh, a yeah. fucking yeah. joke. And it's sad that the morality system is such, like, a cornerstone of the series. Like, it's always been something that has been so intrinsic to the premise of, are you going to be the guy with the red lightning or the blue lightning? Yeah. Like, every aspect of the marketing and, and like, the elevator pitch is intrinsically tied to that. So it's not even something that they can abandon at this point without it doing was, another reboot. It was always so stupid. It's so pre preposterously shallow. Like, it, it, like it's, it's just so ridiculous to the extent that it's like, okay, 
everybody is freezing to death. You have two options. You can set yourself on fire to save everyone around you, or you can burn everyone else just for your own amusement and go to a warm beach. Yeah, like, that's the thing, you know. At this point, the cliche thing to say is, like, do you, do, you see an orphanage burning. Do you save everyone, or do you fucking explode it, bro? The thing is, though, is that infamous is the reason that cliche exists. Yeah. And it's not that off point. No. They're, like, literally the first decision in the first game, like, it's literally, I would say, 10 or 15 minutes into pressing start, which pressing start in infamous was, was an awesome cool. moment. That was awesome. Um, this less so. Uh, it, it, there is a plenty of food that has been airdropped into this city that is on lockdown because of uh, some kind of terrorist attack, presumably. And everybody's in dire straits. Everybody needs it just as much as you. But you have lightning superpowers. So, I mean, you could share with everybody and, and have plenty of food for yourself while not prohibiting anyone else from living. Or you could just kill them all so you have so much food. There's literally no way you could eat all the food before it spoils. So, and that is one of the better choices in the game. Like, uh, it's one of the more sensible ones. The nice thing about Infamous is you can, like, flip-flop between them really easily. Well, not really easily. Like, takes, one like, two major story decision will flip you. Well, uh, you, you, I don't remember the, that. The problem is that, well, I don't know. It's it, You're all the thing to, tied to it. Yeah, the thing to account for, yeah, is yeah, the powers are tied into it. So you can flip-flop between good and evil very easily and, like, change what ending you want very easily based on that. You can't have the most powerful upgrades in the game doing that because it will take most of the game to reach level three evil at max or level three good at max, which is where you start getting like really crazy powers that are very useful in combat. You know what other game has a terrible system? Hmm. Edgy infamous prototype. <laughs> I prototype didn't have a morality really? system, I'm pretty sure. I, I was playing Prototype 2 and they were like... Prototype 2 might have it. Encouraging me to make good and bad decisions. Like, Prototype 1, you were just a fucking monster. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I can't even imagine how you would implement like, morality. Uh, do you guys care about spoilers for Prototype? No! <laughs> if there is one thing I do not care about, it is spoilers for Prototype. This actually has one of the neater twists I've seen in a game. Okay, lay it on me. Basically, you spend the whole game as, an, as this fucking monster named Alex Mercer. Mm -hmm. You're fucking devouring people, you're tearing people apart, etc, etc. But he doesn't hate computers. What? That was one of the dumbest things in, in Prototype 2. I forget what the protagonist is, but early on there's a sequence where you have to, like, hack a computer or something, and he just shouts out, I fucking hate computers, and slaps Oh, yeah. yeah. He might not have said fucking, but... I, I, I played that game for, like, an hour. And Me too, out. on Steam, at, like, 3 a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. Carry that's, on. That's a Alex he's an asshole. Uh, like, he, you're playing as him, he's a huge asshole, like, you just fucking devour people, and the twist is that... The actual human Alex Mercer was worse. <laughs> like, he's the one who released the whole virus in the first place. So, like, the whole time you're like, oh, man, I need to get my humanity back. I gotta be a good person again. Like, that's how it kind of ends up going. And then he goes, oh, actually, the human was worse. Fuck it. Let's kill everyone. That That's actually, that you're right. That's that's kind of endearing. Like, it was, it was a solid twist. Yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't play Prototype to get to it. it, it honestly, it's a fun game. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, I beat it twice. I can't even imagine a time in my life where I would have so few good games to play that I would want to play Prototype, which isn't to say that Prototype is a bad game. It's just that there are so many other games in that exact same archetype that do it better. I mean, it literally came out within a month of Infamous. It was a Prototype's new- way more fun to move around in than Infamous. I firmly disagree. I, have I, you played I, it? Yeah, I've played it at Darian's house. But... Did you play it with my perspective? <laughs> I like I, I understand there's kind of a, a presentational element to prototype that maybe depending on your point of view you might think is a little more interesting just because it's so like lavishly destructive and grotesque. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that doesn't really do it for me personally, uh, but just the tactile feel of platforming and like rail grinding and like the grapple move you get in Infamous and that kind of thing, like there's they, especially late game, they introduce like a plethora of verticality options to Infamous that I liked a lot. Um, so yeah, Prototype wouldn't really do it for me personally. I've got a controversial one. Oh. Spec Ops: The Line. Yeah, that was terrible. I that mean, was just bad. Yeah. As far as like your decisions not having a meter, it's, it worked out pretty well. It's more of a morality lecture than a morality system. <laughs> yeah, it's just like. I mean, I think we've talked I about this I suppose you really don't Probably. get a choice Yeah. if you want to finish I the I think game. we might have talked about it last week. It's like You definitely did bring it up, but I don't know how deep into the morality system you got. I think I was going to say the same thing I was going to say here. You, you know what you did? is It was actually in the, uh, it was in the pre-show oh. that outtakes. Oh. So I don't know if you implemented it. Commit war crimes to survive and I win. Have. Oops, they turned out to be civilians. Yeah, that was so, just that bait just, switch was just such a in, jerk move. Just so intuitively off-putting because it was so fucking obvious what was about to happen, and I was actively trying to not burn everybody alive. Yeah, and the game just doesn't allow for it. Like you can't fight your way through it normally. Like I think I, I think this exact topic came up before too, actually. Yeah. Where we were talking about the phosphorus section, you should be able to fight your way through it without using that. It should be insanely hard. Mm-hmm. It should be the hardest thing in the game, bar none. Yeah. But you should be able to do it. Yeah, that to me is the ultimate uh, revision of uh, Spec Ops: The Line. Like if they painstakingly recreated that game so that. At every possible turn, there was always a way to handle the situation, like, by the book in a way that isn't, like, completely ruining the lives of civilians and, like, innocent militia and that kind of thing. But it is always so contrived and so difficult in a realistic way that 90% of the player base will just kill everyone. Yeah. Then and only then will I respect Spec Ops The Lion's message. Like, I, I saw so many people... Sucking that game off. And it pissed me off so much that I didn't even post in the thread where they liked it. I think a lot of that is due... And this is still something that... Setting aside all of my grievances with Spec Ops The Line, I still respect. Which is that it was doing something very different than all of its competitors. If you didn't go in expecting any of it, I think there's an argument to be made for just being caught off guard. That, yeah, I'm not saying it works for everyone, but I'm saying that plays into the passion, like being swept off your feet by it. Like, if you were inclined to have that message not fall on deaf ears in the first place, then you will be extremely fervent about it because you weren't expecting it. That makes sense. But uh, fuck that game. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where I end up. I don't know. I must really like cover shooters because I genuinely thought it was a fun game. I, it was fun, but 
it was kind of like blacklist fun for me, where it was just like, this is entertaining in the minute to minute, but I'm never coming back. Really. This, this is weird to hear now. Like, I wasn't expecting this at all, because I actually really don't enjoy the playing of Spec Ops The Line. Oh. Like, the one thing that I thought was novel was the, like, the glass shooting, uh, like, to bring sand yeah. down on people. Like, that was an interesting twist on, like, the explosive barrel. Literally every other part of that game I found extremely tedious the entire like from the beginning It wasn't like oh three hours in it's starting to wear thin like I really don't like the gun feel of that game I don't like the way the movement feels it's like I'm not really a Gears of War guy And it feels like it draws a lot from that in terms of like the kind of chunky laborious movement It just it was intuitively a bad experience for me Hmm. hmm. Uh, I don't know. I thought I thought it was fine to play Did like, you play on PC? Yes. So that might have contributed. I was playing right. on PS3. Okay, yeah. I think having the precision aiming is a big part of why I didn't hate yeah. how that game played. Because that game has a very low time to kill for you and for enemies. So, yeah. like, getting a headshot instantaneously is, like, kind of key to making encounters not be a fucking drag. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say... Like, I, I like console shooters. I didn't even get into PC shooters until, like, the last four years or something like that. So... That's not like, oh, playing with a, with a controller is garbage as a blanket statement. I don't think that game works well with a controller. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Spec Ops had interesting ideas, but the yeah. execution was so flawed. Yeah, I, I appreciate its, ambitious, its ambition from, like, a sterile distance. Yeah, like, if I'm looking... Not, the thing is, I'm looking back on it after, like, six years, and I'm still kind of pissed off. <laughs> like, I mean, I could... I could defend it much better if they didn't have the stop playing message. Exactly. Yes. Like, that is the one. Like, it, like, that's the thing. You know, like, that was my biggest argument. It was like, if you're going to fucking talk shit like this to me after I have purchased your game and tell me to stop playing without giving me a story option to leave, mm -hmm. go fuck yourself. Yeah. Straight up. That, that felt like... Just really lazy backpedaling on the part of the developers. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's not lazy backpedaling because they had the option. And the problem is, focus groups kept picking that option because, of course, you would pick the fucking option to leave after a certain point. Mm. And so they couldn't get their point across because everyone was a human fucking being. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's backpedaling of a different sort. Uh, like, yeah. they realized that their message wasn't working, so they enforced it. Yeah. And, like, it, it's just, it's disappointing in a lot of ways because it could have been one of those things that I look back on as, like, a seminal moment in first-person shooters. But they just butchered the execution so badly to me. It is a game that lends itself well to session-based play, though, because as you go, that uh, flag gets more torn up. Yeah, the start menu is actually, yeah, that is a really nice detail, uh, and I played that game in two sittings, so I didn't even pick up on it. It's yeah, something I, I found out about in YouTube videos. I didn't know that until you guys just brought it up. Yeah, the, the, the menu, like, deteriorates and gets much more, like, discordant uh, musically as the game progresses. It's, it's like... That's kind of cool, actually. There is a weird amount of attention to detail in that game. Like, they do, like, a very kind of, like, Fight Club-esque sort of thing where, like, if you play through it a second time, there's lots of things... I, I'm, I'm merely talking about the... the no, I, I just remembered the scene where it reveals what was happening with those two corpses, <laughs> and then, like... It's just you basically staring at them and going, and then screaming, "We have to choose." Yeah, <laughs> and their squadmates are just like, 
and your radio is broken the whole time and they've been watching you. Yeah, yeah but like, there's a lot of stuff in there that like, playing through the second time, you can point and look and like, oh, this made sense in the first playthrough and also makes sense in a completely different context like in the second playthrough. you could see the cracks? Yeah. Um, like, I don't think that was a game, like, I don't think that was anything less than a labor of love. It just, it didn't pan out for me. It was a stillbirth. What about Red Faction Guerrillas? Does that have one? Uh, if you support the rebels, you get more rebel help. Hmm. If you kill oh, right. them, they stop bringing you cars. Right, yeah, it's just like, do you want to play along with the story as it exists, or do you want to make it make less sense? Oh, and have people call you on the radio and say you're a dick. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. I mean, it's like, hey, stop bullying the civilians. That's basically oh, all yeah. it is. I really liked walking up to people and just hitting them in the face with a sledgehammer. Oh, so satisfying. It really was. As somebody who didn't get a ton out of the kind of physics sandbox element of Gorilla, is there any reason for me to go back and play that? Not at all. Not even remotely. Okay. Uh, I, I thought the cover gunplay was really good. I never used that because I was all about the physics. I've played it both ways, and it works both ways. Really? I, I love hearing people that are passionate about Red Faction Guerrilla talk about Red Faction Guerrilla, but every time I play it, it just does not click with me, and it's a little, it's a little saddening. Uh, the thing, like Witcher 3 does a great job of making interiors feel like separate rooms almost, like with the lighting and all that. Mm. I feel like Red Faction Guerrilla's biggest failing is that it does not manage to do the same thing. Mm. Like, when you're inside a building... You still feel like you're outside, but you're between, like, two rocks. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have a sense of place in every building, which makes it... The scale isn't there. Yeah, you feel like you're in kind of a toy house when you're inside one of them, and then you yeah, break it. Yeah, that's a good observation. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, because they probably had so much horsepower devoted to the crumbling of walls and that kind of thing that they couldn't afford to put the detail into interiors. Which, yeah. like, I'm, that's... That's the right call to make if you had to if it had to come down between those two things like obviously lean into what your game has going for it in the first place. But it does make it less interesting. Yeah. Like imagine the Uncharted two sequence where you where like the hotel is being destroyed and then you fall down into the next building. Mm -hmm. Imagine that, but they just didn't have all the shit breaking with yeah, like the physics objects crumbling and stuff like, like that. Like what if it literally was just like slowly tipping and then you just kind of weirdly physics hop to the next one in a way that you didn't feel was entirely intentional. Hmm. Like, that's kind of Red Faction Gorilla, which I still thought was yeah. really fun. Because Part I of my fascination was, when I got it, it was like, I had a much smaller income, so it was like, that was my game for the month. Yeah. And I spent 20 hours with the demo. I also did. That demo, I fucked with that shit Driving so semis into buildings, all kinds of things. <sighs> So when I was able to access the whole world, it was like, whoa. Yeah, like when you finally get to like the final city, and it's full of all those huge-ass buildings and bridges and shit. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, like that huge bridge in the final oh. one where Ooh. you go, oh boy. This is making me, making me sweat. <sighs> that, oh, and then they had destruction challenges, which were nice. Those were fun. I didn't like it as much as the typical stuff. Was. So they've released a Steam update that uh, includes the reconstruction gun in the main game. And it fixes the games for Windows Live issue where the sun was on both sides of the map. And it would shine through, like, mountains and stuff. Okay, so well, that's a good thing to fix. It's been fixed. 
I only ever played it on uh, PS3, really, but I might, I might go back and play some Red Faction Guerrilla because my computer is running out of games that I can stream. Hmm. Red Faction. I'm going to do it. Uh, you talking about all of this, the, the kind of systemic design that is Guerrilla, uh, it, 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 it reminded me of one detail that I really like, or I, I guess design philosophy that I really like, and I want to see more of in morality systems, which is... <laughs> Morality systems baked into the fundamental gameplay systems as opposed to being like bespoke A and B options. Like one game that I think handles morality in a really oh, interesting yeah. way is Papers, Please. Mm. Because at no point in Papers, Please are you ever not outside of the menus. You're always in the like very base level control scheme of like, here's your desk. Here are your tools for verifying whether or not somebody is allowed to come into the country and here's the button to let them into the country. That is the whole system. There's not like a dialogue tree that pops up or anything. And the game puts you in some really dark situations where you're making judgment calls that could affect not just the lives of those that are very close to you and yourself, but potentially the lives of thousands that live in your country. And it's all handled merely through the way you handle the most banal encounters of just like, oh, hey, the date's wrong on your birth certificate. Like, you have to go get that checked out. Like, I think that's a really smart way of just making the decisions feel a lot more tangible as yeah. opposed to having them in that canned presentation. Like, I, I'm forgetting the actual game I'm thinking of, but I, I do really love that philosophy as well, where you just... It doesn't judge you on your morality until it's like... You've been doing this the whole fucking time, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, this is clearly a part of how you are just playing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to judge you on that. Like, Yeah, the, the plain presentation of it uh, almost ironically makes it, like, that much more impactful. Because you you look at it, you're presented with a situation like, oh, there's, there's a person that you know to be a terrorist, but then it brings into the question of, like, well, do I think the terrorists have a point? Do I think that my government is dubious uh, in its ability to like protect the common man? Um, or like, are they offering me something that could like save the lives of my starving yep. daughter and father and that kind of thing? My daughter was sick and they offered me a thousand credits or whatever and I was like, well, I'll take it. And yeah. then I thought about betraying them and I was like, no, they'll probably kill my family. Yeah, it, you're, all these things are running through your head of all the outcomes that could take place depending on whether or not you help this person or condemn them. Uh, and at no point is this all conveyed to you through some like heavy-handed Bioware-esque conversation where they're laying out all the consequences for choice A and B. It's literally just, do you choose to go through the process of registering them for entry into your country or not? Yeah, like, I always like that kind of stuff because it's, it's a good way of just judging who you are as a person by just putting something in front of you and going, how do you handle it? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's 100% my shit. Because that's, I mean, realistically for most people, that's how morality plays out in day-to-day -day life. Like, morality isn't these, like, unless you're, like, the fucking president, in most cases, uh, you, you're not presented with an A or B option. Saints Row 4. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, like it, unless you're, like, signing bills in the, real, in the real world, you're not given, like, A or B options that are going to immediately impact thousands of people. It's... 
a hundred little things that you do over the course of the day, whether it's like holding a door open for somebody or like lending somebody on the street a dollar because they're out of change and that kind of thing. Like it's just all these little minuscule things that total up and determine what kind of person you are. Yeah, like nobody, I would say five to seven percent of humanity goes through their day going like, I am an evil piece of shit. <laughs> but if you if you looked at all the people that could basically be like, dude, you're evil as fuck, mm-hmm. probably more like 30 or 40%. Yeah. Like, I don't think Donald Trump goes like, I'm such a fucking dumb bitch. <laughs> I'm so fucking stupid. I don't give a shit about anything. I think he's like, I want to do what I can for this country, mm-hmm. but all these people are getting in the way. Yeah. Basically Sam Fisher from Blacklist. <laughs> yeah, that's what it all really, at the end of the day, has to boil down to for me. And like, I, I know it's a cliche, but it's because it's fucking right. Every villain should think that they are the protagonist. Yeah. And that, that applies to the player, too. Like, if the player is doing something that some other person who played the game thinks is a completely ridiculous option and they should feel ashamed for... That player shouldn't be doing it because they're like, yeah, I want the red lightning. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I want to sound like Darth Vader and have a black cape. It should be because they thought that was the right call. Yeah. Like in The Witcher 3. Yeah. Basically, play The Witcher 3. When I was wrong about it, it's good. But it'll make you feel like shit no matter what you choose. That's the real world, bitch. Yeah. Although there probably is a right way to choose. It just doesn't seem like it at the time. That's the real uh, world as well. <laughs> yeah, true. One thing I do really like about The Witcher, though, is that in spite of how dark it is at so many moments, there really is like a lot of heartwarming character interaction that takes place in those games. Like it doesn't really beat you over the head with like, oh, this is a grim, gray world. Like, yeah. There's still there's still times there's like good like, times. There's a lot of humor in it. Yeah, there's levity. Like they show you just enough light like parting between the clouds so that when it starts raining again you got something to remember and something to strive for again i think one of my favorite moments in the game so far was when Geralt was like walking through the rain for probably like two or three hours mm-hmm. and then like i stopped to look at something and Geralt's just like a storm <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh-huh Good observation, Mr. Detective. Did you use your Witcher senses to get that? Yeah, did you press middle mouse button before you... Oh, I'm playing with controller. Oh. Like, I, I do not like playing The Witcher with a mouse and keyboard. It it feels like it just makes it more clear that I'm not playing it in 60 FPS. Oh. Whereas if I'm playing it on a controller, I can just be like, this is probably around what the PS4 version looks like, and it probably runs about the same. Mm. But Actually, if I... Oh, never mind. I don't want to spoil your Yeah, thing. don't. Don't. Because I've just finally managed to to wrap my head around this game not running well or looking good. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, any other thoughts on rally systems, guys? Well, I think that this, uh, this way of doing the topic has been a huge success, and we'll be continuing it for a very long time. So, speaking of uh, poorly done morality systems, we're going to get to our Splinter Cell Blacklist Game Club. Yeah, left mouse button continues to the next topic. Right mouse button kills us all before we can record the topic. <sighs> Exercise for freedom. We're going to have a chat about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Josh even knows what the fifth freedom is. I don't remember.
here with the final episode of our Splinter Cell Blacklist Game Club, in which we played through the ending. Which was not a lot this time. I think I got through it in about an hour. Uh, I, I'm not speedy Brett, so it probably took me like more like 90 minutes, but yeah, this was this was on the shorter side. Uh, although, it, it, there was, was a decent amount of globe trotting. We had some scene shifts yep. here and there. So, so one problem that Grayson and I both had is that you can never replay the American Fuel mission. What? Hmm? Oh, yeah, you don't return to the SMI. What? You can never replay American Fuel. I'm confused. Yeah, the mission that we start off with where you get hacked, mm -hmm. you can never replay that. So, like, what I've been doing is I've been going through, I've walked at the walkthrough and saw what mission was next. Yeah. Because that's how you kind of pick the missions. You can't do that with American Fuel. It's a one-time-only thing. You can never go back to it because unless you like delete your save data from the file folder. Does that extend into the actual like proper American Fuel encounter where you're fighting with firefighters and stuff? No, that's not the actual. Uh, I'm talking about the like the mission the where you're crash. in Paladin, the yeah. plane crash. That's called American Fuel. That is oh, what are they call the mission. part where you're actually addressing American Fuel. That's the fuel. LNG terminal. Okay. But they call it American Fuel because it's meant to be like a trick. Like you're supposed to go like, all right, we're going to infiltrate this tanker. Okay. And, and then it tricks you with that, and then you go into the Paladin mission. That's that's called American Fuel. Okay. Um, so you can never do that, so I had to watch some YouTube Let's Player go through it and go like, Bro, this game is so fucking amazing, I did not expect any of this shit. That's oh. why I always put no commentary at the end of any Let's Play search I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, which doesn't happen very often because I don't watch that many. But I did actually. Well, we'll get to it. But I had to watch some some video footage of the game for other reasons a little bit later. I think I know what part you're talking about because it was a big sticking point my first playthrough. Okay, maybe this is a recurring problem. So we we start with this uh, once again kind of format bending sequence, which like. I, I liked it at first, where you think you're going into American Fuel, and like you said, suddenly the hack has manifested, I guess, and the, sh the plane's going down. And Grim is shooting Charlie dirty looks. Yeah, for, for reasons that have become more clear in a little bit. The one thing that immediately stood to me, though, is why the fuck are they still using the default walk animation that you have when you're in between missions? Yeah, it's just, just like... Well, gotta go solve this chore. Yeah, there's it's there's a five minute clock. Everything is blowing the fuck up. Everybody's screaming, and he's just like casually sauntering from one end of the plane to the other. And even when you sprint, he's just kind of got like a casual jog. Like, yeah. Nice solid workout clip. Also, who designed this plane where the SMI is like wired into the actual functions of the plane? Yeah, like I completely agree. There should definitely be like a the U.S. government. Those. The the only thing I'll say. No, is, there there is. But Charlie disabled them, Probably. like, because he wanted more performance. That's literally what I he gotta, says. I gotta overclock my plane, so I'm gonna turn. It it doesn't make sense that the systems are capable of interacting in the, like. Why is there a way f to create a bridge between the thing you use to Skype people, like the thing you use to Skype the president, and the thing you use to regulate the fuel intake of the plane? Also, I'm pretty sure all this like Charlie sucks. planes have manual backups for these things yeah. to prevent this from happening. Yeah, not Paladin. Paladin's too good for that. Um, but yeah, my my only counterpoint is that uh, Grayson, if we are to collect every single one of the plot incongruities in this whole section, then the game club is going to take three hours because there's so much fucking stupid stuff that happens in this part of the game. 
it's kind of amazing because like in the in the first episode things are getting set up everything's cool mm-hmm. second episode things kind of start falling apart but you can it's salvageable it's salvageable you have hope that something maybe they'll pull it together and this last one is just like a gif of a dumpster fire yeah uh it, it they don't even let you stealth it they they don't um it's, well, if you talk about the LNG terminal, there actually is a way, and I did it. Oh, you ghost killed all those people? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I didn't kill them, I stunned them because the stun gun is super overpowered. Oh, I haven't used the stun gun. I've been gun using since, crossbow. I haven't used uh, it since the time we were forced to. The stun gun? I forgot about it, actually. Helmeted enemies don't even matter because if you get a body shot on them, they'll immediately get knocked out. Oh, wow. That's like, pretty cool. They will knock out everything except the heavy, heavy guys. And you get, like, 12 shots with it, even unrealistic. Yeah. But, yeah, this is, like... It's kind of, like, coming to its most explosive point of this game, not knowing if it wants to be MGS2 or Uncharted 2. Griaper, I think that's how you pronounce this. G-R-E-A-P-P-E-R. Griaper. Uh, but wouldn't the <laughs> E be later? I don't no, know. No, it, it is Griaper. Okay. Uh, they kind of a touch on this. Um, I think Blacklist is a solid entry to the series, and I personally love it. But the game has so many flaws, it seems Blacklist has an identity crisis. It wants to be an action cover shooter, but then it keeps on remembering uh, itself that... Remembering itself? I think you meant reminding itself uh, that it's a Splinter Cell game. (laughs) They undersold due to trying trying to appeal to a market that wasn't interested in this game in the first place and alienating their core audience in the process. Yeah, like, that's that's what this all feels like at this point, is just, like, we're, we're amping up the action more and more and more, and, and, like, not just in the in the mechanics, but the story elements, too, just, like, throwing in all of these... Like, it, what started as intrigue has now turned into, like, all these elements that could be argued are treason in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I think, like, directly disobeying the president... Don't ...on a fucking hunch. Which yep. he criticized other people on his team for doing earlier in the game. No, but the whole arc, bro, is that he learns that sometimes you just gotta go with your gut when it comes to using everything the government has. Like, that would actually be an interesting character arc if they did anything to actually, like, tangibly cement that as a change that happens in Sam. But, like, looking at Sam at the end of this game compared to the beginning, like, the only difference is now he has somebody to punch. <laughs> yeah, like... Th- and the thing is, during the, during this whole bit with Charlie and Grim, mm-hmm. Grim is basically the only person keeping this mission on point. Because Charlie, you know, Charlie is actually very understandable in this case, where he wants to own up to what he did because he yeah. did fuck up. Grim, I do think Grim is correct in telling him to just not fucking tell Sam because Sam, Sam will, will just murder him and it'll be over. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like, that can't happen. But the thing is. Why is that grim? You know, like I want I want my main character to be that sensible, mm-hmm. to be to be making like that's actually a hard call to make. Yeah. Not all this bullshit Sam's doing where he's like, Are we go for Operation Fuckfist? Like it's go for Denver. Oh, <laughs> go for Denver. That was I, that weird. was that was cool actually. So I did the, like that. Yeah, I mean, do do we want to just skip ahead past all of the like, like burning buildings? Let's just quick go through that. It's, I hated the part where you had to save the firefighters. Uh, it was the worst. Well, I mean, I think we can just kind of skip around to various places as they come up because it's such a short segment. Yeah, I, I I mean, like I'm sure we'll come to something in the LNG terminal that was like, oh boy. 
But right now, I'm just kind of focused on the story stuff. Most of the oh boy, yeah, is in the story stuff. Like, for me, it's like Sam is portrayed as the guy who's making the tough calls and the guy who is, he's like, he's the... He's the master of machinations. Like, he's putting everyone in their precise roles. He's recruited the specific team that does their own specific jobs. Yeah, but, like, he's and recruited he, this team, and then he goes, like, why are you on this team? Yeah. <laughs> it's, fuck and, off. And then they decide, well, the pilot's refusing to fly to Denver, so we're going to make the guy you've been torturing all came do it. Yeah. Why the fuck does he do that? Because the whole time he is barely able to restrain himself from beating the shit out of uh, Coben, and now he's just like, well, I, I really want to disobey the president, so I'm going to let the guy who abducted my daughter fly us to Denver. Also, Briggs, you don't have what it takes to be in a military operation. I think I'm going to let the weird drug dealer slash drug like, trafficker guy take the reins on this one. Yeah, he questions Briggs' competency at every turn, and Briggs is probably the most put-together character in the whole cast, outside of Charlie, who has one blemish moment. Yeah, like, I was gonna say and Grimm, but... Grimm, Grimm does the drug... <laughs> See, like, so I had this argument in mind uh, as I was kind of thinking about the end of this game and uh, in retrospect, the, the entirety of the game, thinking, like, it's funny that Sam is packaged as this, like, tactician and delegator and, and, and judgment caller when in actuality he is like this brute impulse uh, like dumbass and everybody around him is making all the right calls. The one thing that makes that fall apart is when Grimm uses the drone to blow things up. So yeah. that is the fly in that perspective. But for the <laughs> most part, everyone around Sam is micromanaging his hissy fits and like saying what he, or doing what he says just enough so that he doesn't fire them. Which I will say, probably accurate how the actual military works but I don't think that's what this game's going for at all and I also don't think they like I don't think they leverage that mismatch between how they like sell Sam and how Sam actually is if you look at his actions and words yeah like Sam is just a fucking tantrum fucker baby boy who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing so yeah. the, the other thing Conviction has over Blacklist is Sam's sweater in Conviction is like the best article of clothing I've ever seen in a game it does look cozy it makes me super jealous I kind of want to play Conviction again because that game was more put together than this one. It also, like, rewarded shooting out the lights way more. I mean, I've been doing a lot of light shooting. Well, the one thing, this, I, the one thing I'm hearing helpful. about Conviction, though, compared to this, is that apparently it handles uh, the, like, true stealth option worse in some ways. Yeah, like, yeah that is true. It's eight, definitely more of a, I'm gonna kill everyone game. Yeah, like, eight, Wait, but that, that's fine, though, because the game is kind of reinforcing that. Like, it, it was meant to be a departure from Splinter Cell, the original series, which I can respect a lot more, like Reaper said. Blacklist is, like, half fucking, Ooh, shoot, man, I gotta do America! Mm -hmm. And half, like, I have to be... The Splinter Cell. I yeah. Have, I have to be the leopard upon the plateau. Or whatever the fuck. I don't know, man. Yeah, that, that, that uh, kind of bucking of tradition, Splinter Cell tradition and conviction didn't seem to work out for everyone. Like, AQ90 on Reddit says this, and this is a sentiment I saw a lot of. Um, as compared to conviction, Blacklist succeeds in letting you go through the game without killing anyone as Sam. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at the expense of that, there's the new voice actor, which you guys both yeah. said you didn't like as much, and it's the new David look. Hager. 
I th- I think you're actually right. Yeah, the new the new look where he's like like you said looks younger than himself, which is just fucking weird. Um, and all the action stuff that they hamfistedly shoved in is interesting to me that they point out specifically that Sam is the one player character that doesn't have to kill anyone. That almost seems like it's kind of touching on what could have been the key to salvaging this game. Is like, give me sequences where I'm playing as Briggs and we're we're like playing with the bombast. And then give me sequences where I'm playing as Sam and it's enforcing these stealth regulations and, and asking you to play through that way. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the thing is, you know, I've, I've played every Splinter Cell to some extent. Um, I'm sure that everyone who has listened to me on the show has come to the conclusion I'm not much of an actual stealth guy. Mm-hmm. Like, and honestly, I really did enjoy Conviction because it did, it did just have a lot more like, hey, you want to just fucking kill someone? Go for it. You know, like, and I, I like that. My biggest problem with Blacklist is that it's just stupid. Though. Like, Conviction... Conviction gave you enough, like, justification for Sam going off the rails. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it was actually a pretty demonstrable arc. Like, in the first Splinter Cell, I believe he's fairly new, at least to, you know, third echelon and the whole way of thinking... And then he just kind of, you know, he gets more and more advanced. A double agent hits, and he starts having a crisis of conscience between, like, you know, am I a fucked up dude, or am I a military man? And then conviction is kind of like that coming to a four. Like, it's so much easier to be the guy who just fucking kills people. Like, there is a thematic kind of escalation through the games. And then Blacklist is just like, no, I'm a military guy, actually. Yeah, like, well, they could have potentially found a way to rationalize that, but only in a situation in which Sam isn't wearing all these different hats within one game. Yeah, he should not be the leader of this organization. Mm -hmm. He's never been the fucking leader of any organization. Yeah, that's the thing. Third Echelon was, like, huge. It had offices. Yeah. And Fourth Echelon is just, like, four guys in a plane. It's It's stupid. Yeah, it, it it's like this weird fringe Like Grim, Grim was just your handler in that, the earlier games. She was not like the head of anything. That's my new Splinter Cell knockoff series fringe faction. Better <laughs> <laughs> commission. I yeah, I I guess it really is just them <laughs> trying to compromise action sequences for mass appeal with stealth sequences for, like, harkening back to the good old days for the people that still care about the Splinter Cell name that were burned by conviction. And it just doesn't handle either one as well as it needs to to appeal to that audience. I do find myself, now that I'm older and a bit more patient, I do find myself seriously considering going back to the old Splinter Cell games, playing through them. Hmm. So, um... Go for Denver. Yeah, that, that was an amazing scene. All of this other bullshit aside, like... That is the, what they should have been drilling down into is these, like, fun character moments between, like, Charlie and Grimm and Briggs and Sam. Um, and having them do those those twists on the formula, like, making you think that you're pressing the button to lock in the mission, but actually you're, like, getting the confirmation yeah. of everyone in the crew. Like, that was super cool. There was, there was a big grin on my face as I was clicking go for Denver over yeah, and over again. Like, that was neat. Yeah, and, and they get close to doing that again with the ending of, uh, you know, exercising the fifth freedom again. Like, 
I like the premise of what they're doing, like twisting on what you were originally interpreting exercising the fifth freedom as, which is just killing a motherfucker. Um, but the rationale for why Sam ends up doing that is kind of muddy. Oh, I'm the, talking about the Briggs fifth freedom. Th that part was cool. Well, that's what I'm saying is like they establish that as the format for the fifth freedom. And then when you end up doing it as Sam, you think you're just going to stab him again. Um, I thought that was cool. Yeah. But, like, okay, so the options presented to Sam were kill me and start an all-out war with 12 countries, or keep me alive, and he says... He'll also, spill all the secrets of your country. On If he's put on trial. Yeah, so... He just Guantanamo's him. Doesn't tell anyone. Yeah. Oh, so he was. So is the idea that he would just start shouting out government secrets in a, yeah. like a publicly televised yeah. trial? Okay, so that's what I wasn't really understanding. Um, okay, so I guess that makes a little bit more sense. So he's just he's keeping him away from the public eye. But like, what government secrets did he end up getting? Because they stopped the Secretary of Defense from. I, mean, I think there's a bunch of other ones that he actually did get though. Like I think just he didn't in get the, the process. process. Okay. Is that I don't think he was going for the launch codes. I think he just wanted to do WikiLeaks 2, Big Red 1. Uh, nice callback. Thanks. I, I like that joke a lot. Um, it's the electric boogaloo of video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it, it's just, it sucks because I do see all these tiny little moments that like bring a grin to my face, and then they are sandwiched between stuff that I'm like, I'm almost actually putting my forehead into my palm because it's like, okay, really? You're, you're forcing me to handle this encounter in this way, or you're making me do this dumb thing, or I'm watching Sam do this idiotic thing. Like when he pulls up the car to stop uh, the engineer leader escaping in the terminal at the end, he doesn't even bother to check if the driver's still alive. That guy could yeah. just pop out with an assault rifle and pop him in the back of the head while he's interrogating and him. If this was a Metal Gear game, he would have. And he would have had his finger outside of the trigger guard while doing it. If this was a remotely, like, realistic game, in any sense that would have happened. And, like, I don't know, maybe this is just a misconception, but, like, I've always seen Splinter Cell as something that cares about the details like that. Yes. And this, it just doesn't feel like they do in like, this case. Th this game could have just been called, like, Jim Maverick, Thunderdome, or some shit. And it would have been basically the same shit. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not Sam Fisher. Yeah. It's just not... Yeah, like... Sam Fisher is boring in how thorough he is. Like... <laughs> they either needed to do uh, a, an evolution of the conviction arc of him, like, being... Like, driving down into this, like, renegade approach where you basically just enforce the Panther play style as like, this is how the game is meant to be played. You are ruthless, you are efficient, you are sneaky, but you're going to handle it in a way that's gonna please nobody but yourself. Or if they wanted to do this kind of, I don't know, like I wanna characterize it as a redemption arc, but they don't even like flesh it out in, in like a introspective enough way for me to put such a, such a flowery word on it. It's really just like him flipping to goody-goody-two-shoes version, ostensibly. 
if they wanted to do that, then they needed to play up the leadership position of Sam more. And like, let me like do shit where I'm I'm actually doing the delegating of Sam. Like have a, a mission set up where I'm like saying like Briggs is going to take point on this position and here's where Xville is going to happen. That would be cool, yeah. Flesh out the strategy element more. If I'm going to be Commander Sam, then like let me fucking be Commander Sam. Don't have me getting like necessarily getting my hands muddy and bloody. Or have a little bit of that, but, like, put the emphasis on, like, okay, this is Sam, and he's putting himself back on the right track, whatever that may be, within the perspective of this game's morals, but, like, and have him enforcing all this shit. Speaking and of the that player doing that renegade too. arc, I really missed the, like, interactive interrogations. Is that a thing from Conviction? Yeah. The toilet smashings? Uh, yeah, break someone's face on a sink, uh, crush someone's hands at a piano. I remember hearing that they took torture scenes out of Blacklist because of public outcry, but I don't know exactly what the outcry I, was. I think they were roughly Tomb Raider-esque in terms of just being uncomfortable to see. Just unnecessarily brutal, like, like it was in the context of the story. Like, I would, like, look at him and go, and this was in my really, really edgy, like, Conviction? 17. I, I, I feel like I remember them being really fucking oh, rough. Oh, they were, they were really bad, like, put a guy's face in, the, like, in the first mission, put Coben's face in the urinal, and then stomp on his head to break the urinal. Yeah, like, it, it, it was seriously okay. uncomfortable. Like, it was... I like, thought you were going to say curb stomp him. Like, I'm like, how does he have teeth in this game? <laughs> that probably would have been... Really good dental surgery. He, he should have done that. You've got to make put his mouth on a, on a pissing, piss-covered urinal. That would have been humiliating and life-ruining. Yeah, it was not a clean urinal either, oh, if I remember Yeah, right. it, was it was just, like, was gross Italy urinal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know Italians, what, they don't Yeah, clean what them. does that mean, Chris? <laughs> Hey, it's a place in Italy. It's a place in Italy. We have no clean uh, urinals. All right. Well. Ugh. Yeah, conviction was very brutal. Um, very enjoyable though. It was a fun game. I might go back and play it. Honestly, like Blacklist has not. Uh, obvious. This is my second time playing through the game, and I didn't hate it. It's a fun game. I I'd guess. I'd rather play through conviction again. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Because, like, the... Conviction ends on an ending. This one... Rather than this, is. where it's just, like... Like, the last shot is of Sam, like, hugging Vic and going, Vic! And, like, that's and it. Harshly cuts away. Yeah, like, is that meant to be my now. money shot? Is that meant to be, like, the whole crew is back together? Vic, from the first ten minutes of the game. Let's yeah. waterboard this guy together. Yeah, yeah. bonding moment. So... Okay, let's let's quick talk about the penultimate sequence because I can't let this oh. shit slide. Oh, the dumb bullshit with the with Sadiq, the showdown in that open field. Yeah. Like him. It it was it's such so a cool boring. idea. Like I was as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, like we're paring it down to the the fundamentals of Splinter Cell, like get behind this guy and take him out, and you've got no tools. And I was having a lot of fun with it for the first 30 seconds, and then I I mean, I, I pretty much nailed it on my first try. Yep. I get up to the mini game where the, the QTE, where you're struggling to get the gun up against his shoulder and shoot him. They did not fucking design this around mouse and keyboard. No. I, I'm literally picking up my mouse and swooping it. Really? I yeah. have to move it so far. And so my fast. sensitivity is really high, and I had to do that too. I probably, really? Because I had the exact opposite thing. 
Um, where it was too sensitive? I just, I literally just moved as the left clicked. I, I was trying so hard. I literally had to do like three full sweeps of my mouse pad to get it into position where I could shoot him. Uh, so I failed it the first time because I wasn't expecting that. I was just like kind of moving it normally, like you would in a fucking video game, as opposed to like I don't know, trying to wipe dust off of your mouse, uh, off your mouse pad. Um, so yeah, I failed it. Then I had to retry it. Uh, and Does it start you at the QT or do no, you have to? No. Oh wow. Start, no, very start beginning. at the beginning again. That's boring. Uh, it really is. It was boring the first time, it's, honestly. It's a lot less interesting doing it the second time. Uh, like, honestly, this, this part is actually so fucking simple that even though it's been a couple of years since I last played this, or kind of four now, because I played it on release, I still knew exactly what to do. I had trouble with it. Yeah? Because he kept moving. He moved? He moves yeah. a lot, yeah. If you take any more than the minimum amount of time, he relocates. Well, fast breath strikes again, I guess, because yeah. I just walked, basically just took about 45 seconds. Yeah, well, I, I, on my second try, I ended up getting back right into the same position where I was. I basically did everything exactly the same, because there's no variance to the sequence. Yeah. He always he even relocates between the same spots. And uh, it depends on the angle. Okay, well, if you do things the same way, he will always do things the mm -hmm. same way. There's no randomization uh, intrinsic to the to the encounter. Um, somehow he ended up seeing me doing the same thing another time. Uh, I guess I slightly mistimed or whatever. He pops me down. I end up having to do the sequence four times, and I did everything perfectly on the first time. So it's just like, come the fuck on! Like, why couldn't you have checkpointed me when I'm in the QTE? Especially when the windows are so small. So on my third try, I ended up getting the gun in the position of shooting him, and then he stabs me because I missed the E button to yeah. to, to flip the knife back around. So there were no QTEs of this nature anywhere leading up to this game. Yeah. So I had a really fun time with this because my keybinds started getting fucky, at least in the way the game interpreted them. Thankfully, I had some preparation because every time it said uh, "exercise the fifth freedom," it would just be like. Press Joy 1. And I'm like, is that E? And it was E. Yeah. So when it's, it kept it kept flashing, Max Joy 1. And I'm like, I, I know what you mean, but I'm still pissed off. Did yeah. you press F to pay respects? When? Are you just making a Call of Duty joke? Yeah, or just a lazy a... Call of Duty joke. Okay, well, no, I, I didn't. I pressed E to <laughs> stab a man. Or to break a dude's same. neck. That's my morality binary. Pay respects or stab a man. Yep. Um, yeah, and, and then uh, after all that trial and tribulation of dumb, tiny little things setting me back like one or two minutes over and over again, finally you get through that sequence and the cutscene breaks. Uh, really? I had, you know that loading screen that's just like green and gray blocks? Yeah. I was at first. I thought it was intentional. I thought it was like a closing audio log or something because the 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 cutscene was playing, but all that was on my screen was that green and gray block screen. Uh, so I was listening to like Grim or Briggs debriefing with Charlie and like taking his gun away and stuff, which like completely ruins the gag because I couldn't see him taking the gun away, so I didn't even know that that happened. Uh, I, I like I saw the whole scene, or. Heard the whole scene, and then I was like, okay, there's really no video anywhere? Okay, I think this is busted. Look it up on YouTube, sure enough, I listened to the whole fucking cutscene. 
And then I watched it again with a, a little bit less impact. And it was way funnier this time, right? Because you could see everything. Uh-huh. It was a really good joke and made you laugh. And it was a great capstone to the entire fucking game. But, yeah, what the fuck also, happened? Charlie never comes clean to grit to Sam. Like, there's a bunch of things I wanted tied up. Yeah, it's... Like, it's like all a sequel hook. But this that, game is four years? Five years old? Yeah. And, like, the thing is, it's like, okay, well done. You've managed to establish, like, four characters over the course of an entire game mm-hmm. to the point where they could actually interact with each other. Yeah, this this game has is such a cliffhanger that you literally... It cuts out in the middle of what feels like should be, like, the first third of a post-credit sequence. Yeah. Like, when they're about to start interrogating Sadiq... It feels so jarring. It looks like they made a mistake. Yeah, like you, it just sends you right back to the, like it, it sends you. This is the part that I probably hate the most in this game. It doesn't send you back to the main menu. It sends you back to the SMI. SMI. What? Like, and that is insane because it makes you think. Okay. There's more. Time to continue. Mm-hmm. No, the game is over. But it doesn't kick you back to the main menu. It just confuses you, it, and it it puts this well, taste in your the daughter. Does this game have a main menu? No, I don't think this game has a main menu. No, but when you it should it, for this should, exact reason. Or just like even fucking kick you back out of the game, like so, close like, that yeah. circle. Yeah, make or like make it like a Ganon ending, like in every Hyrule or <laughs> Hyrule game, yeah. every Zelda game, basically. Like you just it just. Freezes on the credits screen and waits for you to close out. Okay, yeah. Like, it's something like that. But as is, it's it just... It is half-assed to begin with, mm-hmm. and then the way it just kicks you back into the game, it amplifies that, like, fivefold. Yeah, this their, their attempts to make all of the menu stuff feel rooted in the game world end up biting them in the ass multiple times. Because then you've also got shit like... Why am I in the SMI and able to pick side missions in between the part where the plane malfunctions and we literally just said, okay, now let's go to Denver. Like, I could I could literally fix the plane, have the whole team agree to go to Denver, and then spend three hours playing side missions. It feels extremely out of place. Yeah, and the thing is, once you beat the game, and it'll be like, it, it shows you, like, the active campaign missions, it always shows side, side F. Like, it always shows that as, like, a thing you have yet to do. Yeah, it... Which is annoying. It almost would have been better if they had just turned it into a normal video game menu after the fact. Like, when the yeah. game ended. Like, eh, it, it's just weird. It kind of... It just pulled me out of it. Which is the exact opposite of what they intended to do, so... Yeah. Thanks, Ubisoft. Yeah. I mean, all in all... There are a lot of aspects of this game that I liked a lot. Like, it, it sounds like it didn't hold up for a second playthrough for you, largely, Brad. Well, that's, that's the thing that irritates me. It did. Okay. But it pissed me off in the exact same ways, and that is so rare for me in games. Usually, if I play through a game again, I find new things I like or new things I dislike. And then this one, it's like, I had the same exact experience. I liked the gameplay to an extent because it was easy for me. Because I have the natural mindset of someone who is ready to kill people. I guess so. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. It pissed me off in the same way. Like That's why I was so like ambivalent in episode one. Because I was just sitting here like, it's all going to go to shit. Mm. Like, none really of does. the stuff 
that you're bringing up is gonna matter. Yeah, that Libya mission was really good. Yeah. Well, and like the basic premise is in a lot of ways really interesting. Like the the premise of what the engineer or what the blacklist is and why it exists is pretty compelling. Yeah, I it's think. interesting, but then they just kind of drop it, and then like obviously the the reasons are still there, but they don't take center stage anymore, and now it's just like. They could be any terrorist organization after the halfway point of this game. Yeah. Did you notice that, like, okay, first mission, it's pretty, like, tight. There's not much choice. Mm -hmm. Then it opened up, and then it tightened up again. Even tighter than the first mission. Yeah, like, side F, there are, there are very few ways to do that mission. Yeah. Like, I just... Like, especially, like, I really enjoy the two vent openings that lead to the same vent. <laughs> and then you just fall down in the same way. Yeah, I... I, I kind of liked the overall sequence of going to the vents with the laser beams because it felt very over-the-top, cheesy spy movie kind of thing, which was fun for a minute, just to kind of give me something so overtly campy that it, it kind of just made me forget about all the stuff that was trying to be ostensibly real. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of dumb stuff like that. And, like, the one... You can't non- use EMPs? On the lasers? No. Oh. Like, if you do, if you try, it just pops up the message saying, like, these lasers are especially protected against DMPs. These and like presidential lasers. Yeah, we we made the lasers in the vents much cage. stronger. Like, <laughs> fuck off. Seriously? Yeah. That's I just weird. don't... The one nod they give to the kind of open sandbox level design is that sequence where you depositing Charlie's three viruses. Yeah. And then there's no checkpoint. Yeah. yeah. I, I. Also, they keep adding lasers to the doorways. Yeah, I, I get what they were going for with that sequence. Like, it, it's such a great idea. Like, I, I just can picture the level designers chatting about how they want this to go of like, okay, you've got this sprawling space and a few objectives that you can do in whatever order you want, but the the difficulty of the other objectives is contingent on the order you do the first ones in. And, and it could have been so cool, but the way they choose to, like, it's just like, okay, we barricaded off this area with lasers. Yeah, and it was abysmal because, like, it just narrowed my options for no reason. It didn't make it harder. Mm. It just meant that I had less variety in the ways that I was going to fool these enemies. Because vents in this game are ridiculous. Mm. Once in, I, I, I timed them. Mm. It took them about 90 seconds to have a whole conversation about how I probably wasn't going to leave the vent in the same way that I came in. Like, that was actually the subject of the conversation. He was like, I don't think he's coming out this way. We need to go spread out. And I was just sitting there, I'm just waiting. I'm like, and then I came out the exact same way I came in, stabbed them both in the back. I'm totally coming out this way. I'm totally coming out this way. Like, yeah, if they had, if they had come up with, and like, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But like, if they had come up with with obstacles that appeared as you completed the objectives that required extra cameras, solutions, yeah, that required specific solutions to counteract, that would have been one thing. But like you said, Brett, they just they just reduce the amount of paths you have open. So it's like you're not doing anything different in the paths that are still open. Those leave. Are, those are completely unchanged. It's just that now you have to pick that one. You guys know yeah. about the laser panels, right? The ones that shut off the laser beams? Yeah. I what? couldn't find any in that area. There were ones in every room. Okay. Do you have to shoot them or something? Yes. Oh, I was trying to, like... 
you were trying to interact. Yeah, and, uh, and execute what, the fifth freedom. <laughs> that's what it should say every time you're doing anything in this game. Every button prompt is execute. walk up to a door, execute the fifth freedom. All right, can we talk about the fifth freedom? Sure. Uh, the fifth freedom. What if, the fuck? if I recall correctly, the fifth freedom is to do what needs to be done in order to protect the United States. Was this referenced at the beginning of this game? Or no, earlier this game does not reference it whatsoever. You're, you're expected to know it from playing all the other games. Really? And I'm not even sure if I got the Fifth Freedom right. Okay, like, I got the gist of it, obviously, but, like, it felt like something they should have name-dropped earlier in, like, a banal conversation on the on the Paladin. Well, they kind of do, like, the, the president goes, I didn't give you the fifth freedom to pursue a personal vendetta. Okay. But it's in, like, the middle of this huge scene, and it comes mm -hmm. off as such a minor thing. Yeah. But it's, like, the whole of which third and fourth echelon were created for. Yeah. It, it should have been more, like... Uh, like Briggs and and Charlie talking and and Briggs is saying something to the effect of like, well, we have to be careful about how we exercise the fifth freedom. And Charlie's like, yeah, I mean, they didn't just give us free reign for blah blah blah. Like, find some way to piece it together so the game is actually conveying what it is to you instead of like barely interjecting it in the middle of this cutscene that has five other plot points. Which is cool if you have context, but if you don't, it's just like I thought of a really tasteless fifth freedom joke. Go for it. If, like, Sam is looking at a civilian's butt, Briggs or Charlie should just be like, I'd like to execute the fifth freedom on that. Um, and then Grim just shuts down fourth echelon. <laughs> that, that would have been the binary domain Splinter Cell crossover game. <laughs> that would have made this game more enjoyable. You want to execute the fifth freedom on that piece of ass? Because that's why they call you the survivor. <laughs> um, so you just walk up right behind her with, with like... Crouched down with her ass in your face, and you go, looking pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Big bow. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's weird because they, like I said in the first episode, they do a really great job of elegantly introducing things that new players aren't going to be familiar with, but old players will during the first half of the game. And they just increasingly stop giving a shit about that process. I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like, that's... A they increasingly stop giving a shit. Like, this game... It starts off with promise. Mm. Not necessarily strong, but it starts off making you think it might be going somewhere, and then... Well, like I said, I, I do think the game doesn't start strong. It makes a, a bad first impression, but a great second impression. Like, a, a lot of the, like, mission 2 to 5 range, I think, is really good. And I was having a great time, and I was like, I, I should play more of these games. Like, this is a fun series. Um, but, yeah, it just deteriorates so quickly. And, like, not and It deteriorates in every way. Yeah. Except the cool, uh, the cool kind of, not really meta bits, but the cool weird shit. Mm -hmm. Like, there's none of that in the first five missions or so. Yeah. Um, I, I... And it's it never got so bad that... Like, overall, I would say I liked the game. It's just that the the bar of potential was so high and missed so hard that it, it's disappointing alongside being something that I'm happy I played through, even yeah. outside of the context of the podcast. Like, if, if I had bought this and played through it uh, irrespective of the show, like, I still would have felt it was worth my time. It's just like, it, yeah. could, have been, it could have been a really standout game, and instead it's just like, yeah, you should you should play Splinter Cell. It's the Metal Gear Solid Five of Splinter Cell games. It's, I mean, 
I think I might have actually felt a little more positively about Blacklist's ending. It's it's like the little cousin of Metal Gear Solid Five in terms of like the way they mishandled stuff. I guess like there's parallels to like draw, that. but there's no way that anything. I don't think a game will disappoint me in that way again in my life. Yeah, it's like the difference between your fairly bright cousin messing up and, like, I don't know, your much smarter cousin fucking up. I don't know. That wasn't a great metaphor. Jalapenos are spicy, but MGS5 is a ghost pepper. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Still played it for 100 hours, so I don't know if I can talk too much shit. Like 200. I, I love the game, I'm just sad yeah. about the ending. Yeah. It didn't ruin the game for me. Speaking of sad about endings. Yeah, Brett. Let her rip. Oh, did you? So, did you guys enjoy the last episode of Shareware? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, this is, uh, regrettably, the final episode of Shareware. Uh, a- actually, it's, it's kind of poignant, because as of last Tuesday, I checked, we've reached our one-year anniversary. So, oh, really? Yeah, this this is the perfect time for us to, to call it in. <laughs> Um, Shout out to the guy who just mentioned us on Twitter and got four likes on his comment, which is more than we've ever gotten. Yeah. Handle it burns twice as bright, lasts half as long. A little bit as long as you'd expect. I don't know where you're going with this, Brad. No, so I'm just gonna take over. It's 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 been fun. Um, we're gonna keep the show up on YouTube, but the uh, the SoundCloud subscription is going to lapse soon. So only this episode that you're listening to now is going to be on SoundCloud long term, or until SoundCloud goes bankrupt, because it sounds like they're always like on the verge of that. Yeah, without us paying. Yeah, that's without the, all the big ad revenue we're bringing in, it's it's not gonna last. But, we paid hundred and twenty dollars for the. Yeah. But uh, thanks a lot to Philip, Emma, Moyes, Hunt, Greg, Brent, and of course Jordan, uh, who helped us make the show. And thank you a lot to all the listeners, especially people who wrote in over the year. Uh, We really appreciate it. That was a good time. Uh, I will kind of be revamping my stream, so that'll be fun. I don't know, I do a lot of weird streams. Sometimes I'm really energetic. Like, sometimes I'll be really energetic, sometimes I'll be, like, trying, I'll be doing my ASMR voice, where I just look at everything that's happening in the game, and I just, I just kind of say things about what I feel about them. Mm. And those, those always get, like, ten times the views, so I should just do that all the time, but... Mm. As for Shareware, uh, we, we still have the European Universalis stream coming on the, actually the day that this episode comes out. At what time are we starting again? One o'clock. On Central Standard Time. Uh, so yeah, the, it'll come out. It'll probably this episode will probably come out at a point where it's actually impossible for you to hear this by the time the stream is going. But you know uh, there'll still be the backlog. But, but if Josh turns out to like Europa Universalis, yeah, um, we might even stream more. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, and and Jordan uh, has some ideas of maybe doing some stuff in the future. But as for the core show, uh, it's time to sunset it. So like Splinter Cell Blacklist is gonna be our swan song. Not how I would have envisioned it, but you know, you don't always have full control over all this stuff, so. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Josh. Grayson. Uh, and Brett. Have a good one.
Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> Brett, are you uh, taking the hardware right back, or do you mind if I keep it for the weekend so we can still do the Europa stream? What do you mean hardware? The mic and camera. Oh, I'm just letting you guys have that. Oh, I thought you wanted the mic. I mean, want, but I'm not going to kill the podcast just because I'm leaving. No, we're, the podcast is done. Oh, really? Yeah. At least until, like, Jordan is available on the regular. we probably just do something else. I don't think we would return to the shareware name at that point. Oh, man. I didn't um, know it was the end of shareware completely. So, does that change your response? If you want it back right away, I understand. Uh, yeah, in that case, I, I would like the mic so I can kind of keep it for my, for my streaming. Yeah, no, 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 you're going to keep it either way. I mean, that was the arrangement from oh, the okay. beginning. I just meant, could I keep it throughout the weekend to do the Europa stream? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because we've already announced it. Otherwise, I would have just called it off, but we've, you know, publicized that we're doing it. So I wouldn't want yeah, to. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fine. Okay, sounds good. Hey, don't let me forget Mario 3D World when I drop you off. It is... In there right in now, there. but oh, the, the cool. case is probably in your basement. Yeah, you probably, you should have just told me... Well said. I didn't just remember. It I'll, I'll send you a WhatsApp message. Just don't check your notifications during the show, and then it'll still be there at the end, and you'll be like, oh, okay. Mario. Mario. It'd be nice if you could send scheduled WhatsApp messages. You could uh, do that with texts. Cool. That's the best way I've ever called in sick to uh, play Metal Gear Solid Five. How how nice. do you do that with texts? Is I, that an OS well, thing? Well, it might be an Android thing. Like I set a text to send at like seven fourteen. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. that uh, it wouldn't look like I was up at one a.m. playing Metal Gear. Oh, that's uh, that's a that's a that's pretty clever. Good, good plan. What I did is I just got way too stoned the night Metal Gear came out because Mike gave me some really potent shit. And so I was at work, and I was too high to work, so I got to go home early and try to play Metal Gear. But then my computer broke for like five hours. Yeah, Oof. I remember. The drivers. It was... Aaron complained about that update, too. It was really upsetting to me. Like, I'm sitting there, like, as soon as the game finally got down, like, I'm going to smoke this whole bowl, and I'm going to experience Metal Gear, and then it's everything started fucking up. Yep. And that's, like, the worst time to possibly double-shoot. And it was, like, troubleshooting is just not it was in, like, in your skill set at that moment. No, BIOS I'm just level fuck-ups, right? Huh? It was, like, BIOS level fuck-ups. Right? It was really bad. I, I just, I couldn't do anything, because I was too fucking retarded, so I just kept pressing the power button. I kept turning it on and off again until it worked. I mean... That's, if you're gonna do one thing over and over again while you're high trying to fix your computer, you pick the right one. Yeah, I mean, it worked eventually. Yeah, like that is the cornerstone of IT, so. It's true. You weren't that retarded. That's true. Only just retarded enough. I made the retarded mistakes earlier in life. Don't we all? Oh yeah, so there's a new position that opened up at Grayson's Wells Fargo. It might not even be in the same, like, building. No, it's in the same... No, like, we like... control all but one corner of the building, right. but they're separated by, like, cement walls. Well, yeah, it's fine. I can walk that far. But it's loan servicing officer or something for... Specialist. Specialist. Officer, officer yeah. requires, like, a, a credential. I'm going to call myself an officer, a though. Credenza. Yeah. You get a little like paper badge that you tape to your chest. Like, the thing is, though, like, the requirements are one year of customer service. I have, like, three. Yeah. And it's three pay scales... 
above Grayson. No, above lawn servicing specialist. Yes, okay. I'm I'm assuming that the difference between the two departments is a matter of like five thousand dollars. No, not even close. Really? I make more than the work directors in operations. So ops processor four makes less than fifteen dollars an hour. Brett, Grayson is not merely hot shit. He is molten shit in the Wells Fargo hierarchy. Well, I guess I'm gonna go for the QA one then. I mean, go ahead. Well, well it's already in there. Like, if it's off the thing, and they uh, haven't emailed me, am I fucked? Or so no. Once you apply, you can't see it anymore. You have to go to the top of the screen and click My Activities okay. after logging in, and you'll see whether it's in review, screening, uh, interview, or. Okay, so if it just says applied, they haven't looked at it yet? Right. Screening is where it's okay. like they're starting to call people. So look at your email. Alright, that all sounds well and good. You know, good luck with finding a satisfactory career and changing your life. I'm here to talk about uh, some real aspirations. Oh, some, okay. Some heavy shit. Alright. Uh, so I've, I've had on my mind lately trying to craft the ultimate brie-based grilled cheese. Ooh. And I'm trying to gauge is what brie the- brie a cheese or bread? Brie is a soft white cheese. Brie is cheese. Brie is the, it's the big, uh, it's the big disc that has the hard wax shell and you cut into it and it's just kind of goo when it pours out. Oh, right. I remember that. We had that on Extra Life. Uh, it was okay. Yeah, Brie is a divisive one. It, it's definitely not for everyone. It needs to be warm for sure. I'm a fan. Well, that's where I'm thinking grilled cheese could be uh, an interesting format. So here's, here's my thoughts. You go to the grocer. Mm -hmm. You buy two of those canned pizza doughs, like the Pillsbury pizza doughs. Okay. What is and the bread base of that? Like, what, what would you, you categorize that as? I don't know. Dough? Ooh. Okay. And then you wrap bread that material. around a de-waxed brie. Okay. And then you bake it like that. Like a Hot Pocket kind of situation? Almost? Yeah, but it's just full of cheese. Okay, okay, now here's what you do. You get a container of nacho cheese. You put it on the bread. You're done. I had to check Peel off you had the wax stove. and pour on the nacho cheese and let it sit overnight so it gets that nice film. Yeah. And then you've got a cheese a cheese disc that's wrapped in a grosser cheese. Yeah. Perfect. I uh, had to check whether you had a stove because I, I realized that would not be a deal breaker for you in choice of living space. I don't... Do they... Are there apartments that don't have stoves? They're called dorm rooms? <laughs> well, yeah, but... I mean, were you going to live in a dorm room? You kind of have to go to school to live in a dorm room, with a few exceptions here and there. They might just throw in a hot plate if they didn't have a stove. Yeah, I just I've got like a fucking Sabaro heat lamp <laughs> sitting over my my dining room table. You just have one of those, uh, you know, the pizza cookers where you put like a cardboard box over it. Oh, pizzazz. Pizzazz, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. It's uh, available on Amazon now, two hour delivery. It's really just, uh, Wait, just so an oven in circular form. If your pizzazz breaks and you need another within two hours, they'll set you up. Yeah, but that, that would be quite the pickle. If you had this two hour time frame where you had to have a pizza done, specifically with the pizzazz, because an oven just won't do I it. I feel like you could just go to a store and get one, though. A pizzazz or a pizzazz, but then you'd have to leave the house, which uh, yeah. But if if you're on house arrest, okay, and you need a home cooked pizza, right, and it has to be within two hours, and you don't have an oven or you're racist against ovens or something like that, okay, then Amazon Prime is the service for you. That's the market for Amazon Prime now is white collar criminals under house arrest. 
who need to possess. They should honestly play that up more because I I feel like that would actually like work out pretty well for them leveraging that niche. Well, I feel like they're already cons. You know, they're used to kind of no, sifting through the system. White collar criminals. Exactly, they're cons, man. They they look at the system, they see how they can break it. I feel like they're already looking at it. I mean, you can get booze wasted advertising dollars. And I think now that. Alcohol is deliverable on Sundays. They'll be allowed to like cl- merge those two stores. Yeah, that hasn't started yet, though. No, man. July. July. Man, I, I I really feel for the liquor store proprietors there. They just lost their one guaranteed day off a week. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's like okay, theoretically, like one seventh increase in profits. On the other hand, I have to imagine there's a not insignificant number of people who specifically got into the liquor store business because they're like, okay, you know, this is going to be hard work, I'm going to have to do all this managing, there's going to be a lot of dimensions to this job, but I always get Sundays off. Yeah. And now you can't do that because you're just, tur- like before it was never a value proposition because it's like, I can't, I fucking can't do anything on Sunday, so I, there's not Yeah, that. it doesn't enter into your mind. Yeah, now you have to have that internal dichotomy of like, well, I... I want Sunday off, but I'm also, like, tangibly turning down profits. Yeah, and, like, the thing is, like, one of the big arguments is, like, well, separation between church and state, man, that law was made back in a time where we were all super Christian. That doesn't make it a bad law. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I... I don't think that's... Yeah, you you want to evaluate on the merit of of the law itself. But even still, under that mindset, like... What other businesses are closed on Sundays and like what Car is a, what, salesman. what is a good logical reason to have them closed on Sundays? Like because it's nice. Yeah, but it's like then it just comes back around to well, don't do it if you don't want to. Like at a certain point, it's just it's it makes more sense from a legal mindset to just give everyone as many options as possible as long as they're not infringing on the rights as it, of anyone else. Yeah, but then that's when you end up in loss leader shit, and that's how you have, like, everything being bad everywhere, like it is now. So, back to the point at hand, I was thinking about going with a sourdough. Yeah. Is that a complimentary bread? Because I'm actually having a hard time finding cheese. It's burrito is best with French-like baguette-style breads. Okay. Ooh, what if you wrapped it in crescent rolls? What is with you in rolls? You just you want everything well, to be like. Because I know rolls, you're not, I got enough bread. Here. You're not really up for like making your own bread. I'm dough. not gonna bake bread no matter what. I would go to there's a there's a bread store on like. But no, the, it has to smelling. be raw. Wait, mm, okay. could the brie handle thirty minutes in a four hundred degree oven? Wait, wait, wait. 30 minutes to make a grilled cheese? Wait, remember when this was a fucking grilled cheese, Grayson, before you started talking about pizza dough and crescent rolls? When's the last time you had a crescent roll-based grilled cheese? What are you trying to make? I'm just trying to, like, wrap brie and bread, and then... That's, like, good for you, man. Do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. That is not my thing. I never rented that into the equation. It sounds like you're trying to get some kind of, like, weird cheese breeding thing going okay. on where you got um, this womb of cheese and bread. I think if you went with the sourdough it'd be alright. Uh, you would want to get some Granny Smith apple slices up there on top. Well, here's what I was Whoa. thinking. I wanted a fruit dimension. Bread is looking around as if he's been Granny deeply Granny Smith disturbed. apples go really good with This three. is what you do. You want to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Butter on two pieces of bread. 
you cook the meat if you're gonna have meat in there. I like having meat in my sandwiches. Right, if you if you put anything but cheese on it, it's a it's a melt. I understand. We don't. Not, my God, Gracie, you are on such thin ice. We don't need to get into that dumb bullshit because it's it doesn't actually matter. I'm not. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, not if it's got cheese and meat and it's a melt. But I, I see where you're taking this argument, and that's fair. But the the thing you're missing, as somebody who's not into brie, and that's fair, it's it's not within your wheelhouse. Brie is a fruit cheese, whereas a cheddar is a meat cheese. Specifically, brie complements fruits what, very well. What is American cheese? Is it a meat cheese or a fruit it's, cheese or is it a bad cheese? It's called chemicals. Yeah. Well, is it just I, a bad cheese? It's a blend of Colby, Swiss, and uh, cheddar. It's kind of really? That's actually, Maybe not Swiss. Colby, Monterey, and cheddar. That's actually a lot more impressive than I thought American cheese was. Like real American they cheese. They found a way to make something that should ostensibly be good really not good. I don't know, like, I, I get, when it comes to, like, it has to be a certain kind of thing. When it comes to hot dogs, I do not want to use actual cheese. If I want to put cheese on my hot dog, hmm. I use American cheese then. Because it's more gooey. The form factor is a nice thing as well. I like shredded yeah. cheddar on my hot dog. I, I have put cheddar on my hot dogs. Maybe it's the kind of cheddar I use. Uh, it's, it's always these very thin slices, and I just kind of drape them over, get the, you know, I get I get it all covered, you know, like equally. Mm -hmm. The distribution is equal, but it just doesn't taste as good to me as an American cheese hot dog. There's some ketchup on there. It's basically just a sauce conveyor. Try the shredded taco cheese blend. Ooh, that mm. does sound really good. Yeah, depending yeah, on how chili. If yeah, if we're getting to chili dogs, depending on how you spice your chili, you could kind of lean into the Tex-Mex angle and go for like a Mexican chili dog, like hot little jalapeno cubed up in there I have been wanting to just buy a jalapeno or two for my personal use for so long <laughs> for my personal use when I get into that <laughs> I mean you know for that and then when I'm done for cooking yeah um, you and Brett, Brett's entire cookbook catalog <laughs> is all just cooking with semen it's all just like I got cucumbers I got jalapenos <laughs> a good carrot will do if you're in a pinch or if you want to be in a pinch <laughs> Trying to think of other phallic vegetables. Uh, zucchini. Um, I mean. Oh, Grayson has me beat on knowledge of phallic vegetables. So well, we didn't doubt that for a minute. I mean, we, I know we, all the phallic vegetables. Uh, eggplants. Grayson is the phallic vegetable. Eggplants aren't really like this. And use like the eggplants board. emoji on WhatsApp. Y yeah, like the cartoon eggplant, like like the courage, the cowardly dog eggplant is round at the bottom, like kind of pear shaped sort of thing. But you can definitely get an eggplant that has the form factor of a zucchini. Okay, so you can put an eggplant in your butt. Oh, totally. I mean, even if even if you were going for the pear shaped eggplant, like you could put that in your butt because then you just got a butt plug situation. Like you want it wider at the base. It's kind of like having an extra butt, if you think about it. Sure. Like you could sit on that. Then suddenly you're getting into like vegetable cosplay fet life. Just like, I don't know where we're going anymore. I don't know where we're starting. Every day point. we get further from God's grace. Yeah. We should probably start a podcast. What do you mean start the podcast? We should probably, this is the last episode. We should probably end a podcast. This is how we start the this is how we start. Hi everyone. Welcome to the final episode of Shareware. I mean I would, but we have to listen to the test. Oh, right. <laughs> but save that gusto.
This is what vaping is. All right. right. Yeah, you just put your mouth over that and you just suck. Vape nation. Whenever you're ready, Brett. <sighs> Should I just say the final episode of Shareware? No. No, I kind of wanted to leave that for the end. That's kind of... I feel like we gotta let him know, though. Do we, though? No. Do we? It's gotta be an emotional tour de force. Wouldn't it be more emotional if it was a gut punch? Nice. At the end, just like, we're done now. I think you're starting to understand Yoko Taro. <laughs> no, I said a gut punch, not a slow twisting of a pencil in your side for 45 minutes. <laughs> I was thinking twisting of the nipple. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I'm sure there's a side quest that does that, too. It's probably you to the fishing line. Or before before we start, I'd like to ask you, Josh, did you play Nier Automata? He, no, he Brett just got it. Okay. Brett's uh, had my PS4. How do you, did you notice the dynamic drying system? Drying system? Drying. Drying. Oh. When, when that when that buck gets wet, it dries in real time. I've seen, I, I, or heard of that. This is weird. It it's a gif. I assume that. By now. It's become so expected for me that characters will automatically dry. Yeah, I mean, that actually did take off pretty heavily in the last, like, five years. Like, I feel like Uncharted was one of the first ones to really do... Like, the first Uncharted, didn't that have, like, real-time drying of clothes? Either one or two. Yeah. I think it was one, because I seem to remember, you know, there's that sequence when... Well, you didn't play one, did you? No, I didn't even watch the Let's Play of it. Okay, well, there's a part where you're, like, exploring this Nazi submarine that crashed on the island. Of course. Island, uh, and you have to swim to it, and I'm pretty sure that is, like, one of the first parts where it, like, showcases... Yeah, if you use the six axis, six axis to dry off your clothes. Yeah. All right. All right. It's so hard to start it. Stupid. I believe in you. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to do it, I can do it. I'll do it. Okay. Well, I'll do it. Shut your fucking mouth and open your fucking mouth. <laughs>